We thank you, Father, this day today, the resurrection life of Jesus. He's not in the tomb, people. He's been risen. We live out a resurrection life. For Paul says, if we there is no resurrection, then we're the most pitiful of human beings believing in what we believe. But we believe in a living God, amen? Are we a living people? We believe in a living God. So we're going to just... Just for the few minutes, I want you to tell God how much you love Him and how much He's done for you. Because He is a resurrected Christ. Amen? See, everybody else is still in the tomb. All the philosophers are still in the tomb. All great men and women are still in the tomb. There's only one that conquered the grave. His name is Jesus. I said, His name is Jesus. You've got to be loud tonight or I'm going to go home. And if you're not loud, I'll be loud for you. So you've got to get some joy in your heart and start realizing that He has conquered the grave. Amen? That God has not left us as orphans. God has not left us as sheep wandering. God has gone and got that one. You are the one. I was the one to make us complete. Amen? And no matter what you're going through, and you might be going through stuff, but this next hour or two or three or seven, I want you to put that aside and I want you to touch heaven. Amen? Let's be like that woman with the issue of blood that if she got caught, she gets stoned. But she reached, she risked it all to touch just his garment. We're going to be like that Syrian Phoenician woman. She was an outcast. She said, just, my daughter's sick, Lord. It's not good for me to give the bread of the children to the dogs. Yeah, but even dogs eat off the crumbs of the table. Wow. Great faith in the whole of, I'm not sick. You know, we're going to be a people that's hungry and thirsty for Jesus. Amen. I thank the Father tonight for what he's about to do. We don't want to be the same because this is not a great message that's going to change your life, but the Holy Spirit will change your life. We ask God to anoint this meeting because it's his meeting. If it's our meeting, he doesn't anoint it. We just speak. It's his meeting. You know, if you're looking for breakthrough tonight, tonight is your night. If you're looking for a, 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 a decision to be made in your heart, you're looking for an answer, you're looking for a place in God to belong, tonight is your night. Today is the day of your salvation. Amen? I want you to shake off everything that you've been through. I want you to understand that when we come in His presence, it's all about Him. Not about you, not about me. It's about Him. Amen? It's about Him because He is worthy of all praise. Tonight, I want you to understand something that we are not slaves asking the master for bread and slaves asking for mercy. We are sons and daughters. We have legitimacy. We have an inheritance tonight. God is not withholding. But God is expecting us to reach out as mature, as, as sons and daughters, as mature believers to grab a hold of what God wants to do in our life. Amen. God is about to do something on this earth. Contrary to what CNN says, contrary to what Channel 9 News says, contrary to what the media says, we know our God is living and He's about to explode on this earth. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. You can take your seat. Amen. Thanks, guys. That's awesome. Happy birthday, Josh Weeby. Thought I'd throw it in there. 21 years old, praying for the Lord 
I know what I was doing when I was 21 and I wasn't playing with the Lord. Praise God. Thanks, everyone. It's awesome. Welcome, everyone. Happy Easter resurrection to one side and next week, happy. I'm, I'm late for everyone else and early for the one, some of you, huh? Jesus is risen, amen. Easter every day, amen. Amen. If you're not celebrating his death and resurrection every day, you have no victory. It's not an event that happened just 2,000 years ago. It's a life we live every day. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, just quickly, uh, Antoine's got some gifts. He's bearing gifts. Uh, a Bible, a New Testament Bible, and uh, another Bible. So if anyone wants one, they come and grab them. They're for free. Um, he's cleaning out his closet. And as you can see, they're brand new. He's never read them. Look at this. Nice pages. Not even a crease. I'm joking, Antoine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who's ready for the word? Amen. So the title of my message, Anointing of the Three Kings. And we know there's more than three kings that was in the Bible. We know that throughout the Old Testament, we've got plenty of kings that God anointed. But I want to talk about three particular kings today. And I want to talk about um, them as it applies to us to get an idea. I mean, obviously, um, as, I, as I shared this, it's, it's something that I've never shared before, but it's, it's a message I've always shared, but I want to put it in context so we can get an idea and see where we're going with the anointing. Now, a lot of people get the anointing mixed up with the gift. Um, the anointing of God, if you look up the word anointing, there's a different ways that people used to get anointed in the Old Testament. Um, if God, when he ordained Aaron, which is Moses' brother, to be a priest, he'd get the horn of an animal and fill it with oil and pour it on his head and it would run down his face, down his beard, down his robe, all the way to his feet. They truly baptized you in oil. It's a true anointing of a king. Uh, when they did the high priest, when they did any type of anointing in the Old Testament, when it comes to, to our Jewish faith, that's what they did. So the anointing was a physical anointing with oil. You with me? The anointing represents what? The Holy Spirit. Yeah? We're going to learn that then. It looks like no one knows. I'll have to start from scratch. But the anointing of God, God ordains. God is the one who ordains. If I was to go now, I've got my Bible here, but it's too hard now. But if you go to every letter of Paul, uh, do me a favor. Who's got their Bible out? Who's got their Bible on their app then? Can you go to the book of Romans for me? Uh, who's got 1 Corinthians for me? Who's got 2 Corinthians? All right. And who's got, we'll pick another one, 1 Timothy. Yeah? And I'm going to go to one. I just want to show you a picture here. I'm going to get a first Timothy. I want to show you what Paul writes here. Now, the anointing of God is not based on man's um, opinion. It's not based on your, your gifting. It's based on who God anoints. Are you with me? You just can't wake up on morning and say, I want to be an apostle. Yeah, good, good luck with that. Or I want to be a prophet. I want to be. God is the one who anoints. Now, every person that believes in Jesus Christ as Savior has an anointing inside you. Can we say amen? When you get born again, Jesus comes in with his spirit. The nature of God comes on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit anoints you. You have the anointing on the inside. 
Are we in agreement? But that's not, that's great. You've received the gift. What do you do with that? You receive God's calling on your life. Now, there's a difference between being saved and being called. You can be saved in the kingdom, but God calls you to a, a, a purpose and a place. God gives you a measure of faith in you to accomplish what you, He wants you to do. What we come, we get saved, and we want to tell God what we want to do. But God wants to, He's in charge, amen? The Holy Spirit leads you. Man and God preach to you. They help you, they guide you, but the Holy Spirit leads you, and then God anoints you. Are you with me? Are you with me? Beautiful. First Timothy 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Paul says straight away, I'm, he didn't say I'm an apostle. He says, Paul, an apostle. In other words, I've been called aside by God to be an apostle. Yeah? Who, who put your hand up if I gave you a scripture? I can't remember who I spoke now. What's yours say? Yeah, the first, first verse. So Paul, again, he's saying, Paul, called to be an apostle through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who, who's got 2 Corinthians? Romans. Yeah, what's Romans say? First, first verse. Does, does Paul have any um, insecurities about what he's called to be? Who's got 2 Corinthians? Who do I give 2 Corinthians to? Paul, an apostle? Okay, so we can go through the whole New Testament other than maybe one book where he was in jail because Paul, a prisoner. <laughs> so he was pretty honest. I'm a prisoner now. <laughs> but he, every, I was freaking out. I went through every book just about, and he says, Paul, an apostle, ordained by God, set apart by God, set apart by, the Holy, uh, by the, Jesus, our Lord. He had no qualms about him being an apostle, amen? But I bet you some disciples did who were walked with Jesus didn't really enjoy that. But when God calls you and appoints you, no man can stop you. Amen? But you can stop yourself. And we're going to see you here about three kings. I'm going to give you an analogy about these three kings. We're going to talk about 30, 60, and 100 fold. So if we can go, and we'll, I'll try to put this together, keep it as simple as possible, because I've confused myself, because I had so much to teach. But I want to show you today, you can be anointed, and you can, do, you can pervert the anointing. And you can end up dead and worse than when you first started. See, the devil's not scared of your anointing, contrary to popular teaching. He's not scared of your anointing. He's not scared of the gift on your life. Okay. Time out. Okay. Toyota ENX 24W is blocking three cars. Is that anyone here? Toyota Corolla. ENX 224W. There's people upstairs as well. It'll be towed in five minutes and sold, and money goes to the ministry. I'm actually looking for a Corolla. Hey, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it could be upstairs too. So, back to, the, to, to what I was saying. We're going to talk about three kings here. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 3. He then spoke many things to them and parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. 
Next verse. We'll just go through every verse. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprung up because they had no depths of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. Everyone say good ground. And yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Next verse. He who has ears, let him hear, let him hear. Are you here to hear tonight? Are you going to hear tonight? Or are you just coming here because you have to? I want you to hear what the Spirit of God says tonight. It will save your life. You see, we've got a misconception here that when we read that, and Rabs has taught on it in depth before, but I want to touch on that last bit. Can we put the last bit up? We've got this idea that some fell on hard ground, soft ground, stony ground, and it, some sprung up. But, but that verse in Matthew, if you don't mind, the one before it, please. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop of hundredfold, sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. So it fell on good ground. We have this sometimes misconception that we get 30-fold 30, 30 from bad ground and 60-fold from better ground. But when it's good soil, we get 100 ground. But no, the same soil produced 160 or 30. It was good soil. God is sowed into our hearts. If we are believers in Christ, we're good soil. Now, how do we produce or bear the fruit of 100-fold? 100-fold doesn't mean 100 times more than what I sowed. It means a fullness of what God sowed. God's going to get out. What he sowed back, amen? When he sowed Jesus to the earth, did he get a half of Jesus back? Did he get a 30-fold back? Did he get a 60-fold back? No, no, he got a resurrection, resurrected Christ back, amen? He got a hundredfold, not a return, a fullness, a completion of what God sowed onto the earth, amen? So when the Word of God gets sowed, it's in good soil. Everybody say good soil. But the good soil is depending on what you do when you get the Word sowed. How do you hear it? What are you doing about what God's placed in your heart? And here we're going to talk about three kings. The first king, if you don't know this, everyone knows uh, many kings in the Bible. King Saul. Who knows King Saul, the first king of Israel? Now, I'll give you a bit of a backdrop. At that time, when Saul was around, there was a prophet named Samuel. Samuel he was, a, was basically ruling over the tribes, him and his sons. But Samuel got a bit old and the people started getting a bit upset. And they said, give us a king to rule over us. By that time, Israel had come out of Egypt. They've fallen away. They've worshipped false gods. They've gone into sexual immorality. They're ripping each other off. They become, they become the world. And now instead of coming back to Samuel, the prophet, and saying, let's repent, they say, give us a king like everyone else that we may be like them. Now they've gone back and they want a, now a kingdom like the world. They want a king to rule over them. And they want to be like, and they want to have a military might. They want to conquer. They want to do everything. They want to do it the world's way. And Samuel goes, no. And look what God says. It's First Samuel. Have you got that there? First Samuel 8. Now, they want a king. Just, I'm just giving you so we save time reading. I'll bore you and you'll sleep. So I don't do that. They've come out of Egypt. They've seen the miracles of God. They've seen the wonders of God. And guess what they first did when they got all the breakthrough? Worship false gods. Immorality. They, become, they became the world. 
And now Samuel says, are you serious? And God says to him, Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. See, God wanted to be their king. See, he wanted the people to bow to God as king. But they saw it from natural eyes. They want to, instead of coming back and saying, look, we've messed up here. We're, you know, we've lost the plot here. You know what? You know how we solve the problem? Let's get a king to rule over us so we can be a mighty army and conquer the world. Isn't that the world today? You know, I wrote here down, they wanted a king for themselves. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 34. For the, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, and they will heap up for them, themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In other words, in the last days, Timothy's talking about, there will come a time you will not want to hear truth of God's word. But you want to hear what you want to hear, so you go find yourself a teacher and gather yourself teachers to teach you what you want to hear to soothe your soul. But you don't want to hear the truth of God's word. That's what Israel did back then. Give us a king, let him rule over us. And God's saying, you know what? They haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. They don't want me to be their king. So I'll give them a king. You know, it's a scary thought. In Romans chapter 1, I haven't got it here, but Romans chapter 1 says that many of them knew God, but didn't acknowledge him as God. And they went after idols, creatures, and God turned them over to what they wanted, to their depraved minds, and they started to exchange unnatural for natural, natural for unnatural. You know, sometimes God will give you the desires of your heart, even if he doesn't want you to have it. Because you desire it that much, and by faith you receive it. It's a bad place to be, and I'm going to show you why. So now, God says, I'll give him a king. In other words, I wrote here, in other words, they have stopped listening to me, God speaking, and then give them over to what they want. So Samuel 13, 1 Samuel 13, verse 13. Now I've jumped the gun. Can we go back one? Did I give you the other one? That's all right. I'll, I'll speak about it. Don't worry. Before we go there. So now, God will give him a king. His king is named Saul. So he picked a guy named Saul. Just to, He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Now Saul, the Bible says, was handsome. If he was ugly, would they said, and Saul was ugly? I don't know what they say that, but they say he was handsome. And he was taller, a foot taller than everybody in Israel. So if the tallest guy was six foot, he was seven foot. They reckon some scholars believe he was seven to eight foot tall. He was a mighty marksman with the sword. He could throw a spear. So the guy was a champion. He was tall. He looked apart. And God says, anoint him. See, the people wanted a king. But now we're going to talk about 30, 60, 100 fold, yeah? The people wanted a king. God's plan was not for them to have a king right now. God's plan wasn't for them to have a king. We know that Jesus is the king of kings. But they wanted a king. Give him a king. He says, but make sure you tell them everything. Make sure you tell them what's going to happen. Make sure you tell them what type of a king he's going to be. In other words, this king is going to rule like an earthly king. 
Even though I'm going to anoint him, he's going to have a mind of his own. He's going to rule like an earthly king. He's going to take your children, put them into battle. He's going to take your first fruits. He's going to make you serve him. And it's going to be like a proper kingdom. If that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. Unless it doesn't matter, we want a king. How dumb can you get and still breathe? He's going to take your kids, put them into the army. We're going to go fight battles. They might not come back. He's going to take the first fruits of your labor. You're going to have to serve him. And yeah, we want that. Who figures? And yet he gives it to him. Now, Saul wasn't a bad man. Saul gathered the armies. They conquered a lot of people. But Saul had a mind of his own. The Bible says the biggest problem with Saul was he was anointed king. But guess what he was? He was full of jealousy and envy, as Rabs was saying for the last month. Envy got a hold of him. He didn't want to acquire of the Lord. He did things his way. And we have a look here, and I'm just trying to simplify it for you. It says Saul, and if you don't understand Saul, Saul is the man hiding when Goliath is spitting out threats. And David comes along. I'll give you a picture for those who, who don't know. So Saul now, he's a seven-foot giant. He's a mighty man with a spear. He's conquering. Uh, he's, he's winning battles. God's ordained him. And now, all of a sudden, things start to get a bit tough. Saul's in a battle against the Philistines. And now they're surrounded. And guess what he does? They say, Lord, I need help. He goes, wait seven days and Samuel the prophet will come. In other words, wait on the Lord. He'll show up. He'll get you to the battle. Samuel got impatient. So what he did, he went and um, sacrificed uh, an offering to God. And then Samuel shows up. He goes, what have you done? He goes, I made a sacrifice because you were late. He goes, I was late. He goes, you foolish person. Why have you done this? That's not your domain. You're a king. You're not a, you're not a priest. You're not a prophet. You've walked out of your anointing and you would not wait on God. You did it yourself and you've broken the law of Moses. He says, now from, that, from today on, your kingdom's gone. That's a bit harsh, don't you think? He, all he did was sacrifice to God, but he didn't want to wait on the Lord. See, sometimes we can be anointed and not wait on God. We can go and do things in our own strength and step out of our own sphere of influence or step out of our anointing and try and carry somebody else's anointing and be out of the will of God. And God says, I'll take that off you because that's not yours. Are you with me? I'm going somewhere, I promise. Look what Samuel says in 13, 13. Now we'll get it, 13, 13. So Samuel shows up. See, I said this the other day, me and were talking. He said, God's, God's timing is not our timing. And God's delay is not, doesn't mean he's denied you. See, if God delays, see, God's never early, but he's never late. In our timeline, God might be always God in my life. But if we understand and we wait on the Lord and we inquire of the Lord and we understand that we're going to listen to the Lord, God will direct our paths. But when we say, Lord, I prayed, I didn't hear nothing, I'll go do it in my own strength. That, that, that really worked for Abraham, didn't it? Go sleep with the slave girl and that's your son. We've got to be careful that we don't mistaken our gifting our mind for what the mind of christ we're going to think that we can't do things our way even though because when, when the problem was to solve the philistines have surrounded them the people are panicking people are fleeing people are scattered and people are scared and Saul saw all this he goes what am i going to do man this guy hasn't come yet you know samuel the man of god hasn't showed up yet and you know in the time of need god wants leaders to rise up and lead godly way are you with me? There's nothing worse than a family that's... The kids are looking for leadership and the parents won't lead. They're broken. Or uh, in a business, the boss won't lead. Or in a church, when the pastor's falling apart and you expect the people to... Care. No, no. If we don't stand for truth, you won't stand. 
Jesus stood so we could stand. Amen? So it's going to be very important. Samuel saw by natural eyes. He saw Philistines are coming to kill us. I've got no hope. This man of God hasn't showed up. And Samuel says, he shows up after he does the sacrifice. In other words, he was on God's time, not Saul's time. And now to us, might think, well, what did he do? Big deal. He sacrificed an animal to God. It was a worship. That wasn't his job. He was not allowed to do that. There's some things we're not allowed to do. See, we've got to conquer some things in our own life before we go start fighting principalities and powers in the streets. We've got things in our own life that we need to conquer and wait on God for to break through before we start taking on the world. Otherwise, we can become like Saul. Are you with me? So Saul said to you, what have you done? You done foolish. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Look at this. He would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But because you've done this, look at the next verse. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Everyone say own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over the, his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. If you read on a bit, he goes, he broke the law of Moses. He stepped out of his anointing and put on someone else's anointing thinking he could please God and that doesn't please God. Amen? He meant, he, but now he says, you've lost the kingdom. Now I'm summarizing a lot of stuff here. There was a time, and in that same battle, even though he messed up, God still gave him the victory. And they were, the people that were fighting were the Amakites, the Vegemites. They just name is, let's just make it easy, like Guilford and Granville, like Amakites. You know. They were flying a kite, the Amalite, Amakites. And he said to them, listen to me, he said to Saul, he gave him the victory, he says, now wipe them all out. Livestock, the people, everything. These people are evil and demonic. What does Saul do? He goes and picks the best stock for himself. He goes and takes some of the treasures for himself. And he only kills some people and he keeps the king alive. Everything contrary to what God told him to do to win the battle, he did it his way and then when samuel says what have you done he lied to him he lied to god because samuel spoke on behalf of god as a prophet and yes he lied and he disobeyed god's instructions and samuel says mate what have you done are you serious like he got you off the hook before and you do it again because Samuel ruled by natural means. Samuel ruled by earthly wisdom. Samuel ruled that if you don't do it this way, because everyone else is doing it this way. See, that's what earthly kingdoms do. They plunder. They take the best stuff for you. But God says, wipe it all out. And then Samuel says, but you've, and he also lied to me. You lied to God. This is a man, anointed man of God. Anointed man of Israel. The first king. And he's lying. And he says to him now, it's done. You're finished. Samuel 16, 4, and look what happens to him. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. He went from being the anointed king, the first ever king recorded in Jewish history, in, in Israel's history, anointed by God, 
all right? He wasn't, he didn't come out of a royal palace. He didn't come out of anyone special. He actually said, I'm a Benjamite from the lowest tribe of Benjamin and the lowest clan of, I'm the lowest of the low of the low of the low. And yet God calls him out and anoints him. And guess what he does? Now he's gone from an anointed king to the spirit of God leaving him. Now he's demon possessed or demon distressed, according to that. What a fall from grace. What a fall from grace. And it's funny. We talk about 30, 60, 100 fold. I read down here that Saul was a king the people wanted. He's the, he was a king that speaks of the flesh. We want him, you can have it. You know the Bible says you, some things you desire in the flesh and you want it, you get it, and it brings destruction. I got the scripture wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. He's operating in 30-fold. Now he's lost the 30-fold. What does the Bible say? What you have, I'll give you more. What you don't have, I'll take that off you. Now he's lost the kingdom. And now he's lost his peace and his anointing. And now he's getting harassed by a demon or a spirit. And it's a sad place to be because he steps in. And I'm going to go to the second king now. And these two are intertwined. King David. Everyone know who King David is? He's the most recognized king of, of, of Jewish. You know, They call Jesus the son of David meaning that Jesus came from his tribe and his lineage. And in this midst, in this point, God says to Samuel, now go to the house of Jesse in whatever tribe they were in. They were in, um, they were in Bethlehem, actually. And anoint, there's a king there, a man after my own heart, go and anoint him. So he goes and trots off and he says, but Saul's going to kill me if he knows I'm going to go anoint another king. He goes, tell him you can do a sacrifice. So he took a heifer and went to do, and ring Jesse. And tell him, I want to see your sons. We do a sacrifice to the Lord. I want you to be there. And he was there. He says, now, have you got sons here? He says, yes, bring them out. Now, bring them out one by one. This one was six foot giant, looked like a king. He's about to anoint him. God says, he's not the one. Next one, no, he's not it. He's not it. He's not it. He's not it. None of them are it. He's gone, man, God told me you have a son. He was going to be a king. He said, yeah. He goes, do you have any more kids? He says, none of these are the king. He says, oh, I've got a bit of a weird kid. He plays harps and writes poetry and He's a bit of a musician, like all musicians are widows, we know that, but he's sitting in the, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips and singing poetry and, 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 he, and he talks to sheep. He goes, bring him. So he brings him and they bring him. <laughs> Did I upset the whole band now? So. First Samuel 16, 1. So we're going back now. So, so I'm just going to show you a picture here of King one and now King number two. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for this soul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, which is in Bethlehem. Remember that. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul, um, he, is, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. I want to jump down a bit. Can you go to verse, I think it's verse 7. And this is what he said. Samuel was looking at all his sons and they're big, strong, good looking, handsome, strong, rugged. Because these are king material. And God says, but Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He said, I want a man after my own heart. See, David 
before he gets anointed here, it's interesting. And that's in verse 7. We'll read through it in a second. David was a worshiper. David looked after sheep. He wrote poetry to the Lord. He looked after sheep, sheep, hello, shepherd. And he sang. He looked after his sheep. He killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands with the Lord's help. They're trying to take his sheep. He wrote poetry. He worshipped God. He had a heart for God. And he wasn't looking to be a king. He just wanted to be a worshiper. And God says, that's the one I want. Anoint him. And the Bible says they get a, a horn. A horn of an animal speaks of authority. That, that animal had to die. So he gets the horn, fills it with oil, and he anoints David as king. He, now he's king. He's anointed as the true king. But before God can anoint a king, the other king can't be still remaining. So technically, Samuel died. When the spirit left Samuel, guess what? God couldn't anoint David. Saul, anoint Saul. Saul, the demon left Saul and anointed David. Something has to die in order something has to live. Something has to die in order something has to live. God can't pass an anointing over until something dies. Hello, Jesus dying on the cross so he can anoint us as his children. Can you see the picture? And he anoints David. Now, this is interesting. I want to go through a whole of David's life. But David, we understand, now is anointed, he's the true king. But David, although anointed, didn't go and take his rightful place until the appointed time. Sometimes we are trying to jump into our, trying to make the appointed time in our life before God ordains it. You can be anointed and appointed. God's using you in a place of, so he can train you, so he can put the processes through your life, so we can be edified, so we can mature, so we can handle what's about to come. God doesn't put babies into positions to be taken out by the devil. The Bible says, even though I'm heir to all things, as I remain a child, I am subject to tutors and governors. In other words, I'm subject to guardians. I'm just, even though I'm Lord of all, even though my inheritance is a king, I still have to be subject to tutors, people carrying me, people teaching me, people guiding me until I come a full age, until God puts the appointed time. Are you with me? Don't jump the gun and get taken out. I can tell you 19 years of people getting taken out by the devil because they had one experience with the Holy Spirit and they thought they're going to take on the world and they get taken out. It's a sad place to be. And now Saul's tormented. Doesn't know what to do. God will bring you to the right place at the right time. All of a sudden now, Saul does not know that they've just anointed David as king. David hasn't taken up his role as a king. But he's been anointed and set apart by God to be a king. Are you with me? Now David's getting tormented. So what he does, his carers say, listen, we know of a guy who can soothe you, who can help you. He plays a harp. He's a mighty man of valor. He's, a, he's an interesting character. He can play the harp. He's anointed. Um, why don't we call him? He's the son of Jesse. So he goes and gets him. And look what happens here. I want to show you this. It's amazing. When God puts you at the right place at the right time. Samuel 16, verse 21, 1, 16, 21. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Stop. All David did was walk in. Saul, the king's there, tormented. All he did was see David, and he goes, he loved him, and he automatically made him his armor bearer. You know, he's his right-hand man. What was in David that Saul loved so much? Oh, yes. See, you don't have to say too much if you walk in God's presence. 
You can stand before someone and they know the presence of God is on you. You don't have to promote yourself, give them a business card, show them how many miracles and dreams you've had and all that. You can just go there and stand. He said he loved him. But that love turns into hatred later. Let's see what goes on. The very thing you love today, you're going to kill tomorrow. <laughs> he stands, he says he loved him. Next verse. And then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please, he's saying to his father, Jesse, please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. And it was whenever the spirit of God, that's talking about the, the spirit that was tormenting him, was upon Saul that David would take the harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the, 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 the distressing spirit would depart from him. Now, I want to say something here. I don't want to offend anyone. I love you guys. I love the worship. I love that. But you've got to remember, we have become so sensationalized with music that we soothe our soul with music, but we never get changed, and that demon keeps harassing us. You can soothe your soul with listening to love music dedication. I mean, a lot of people listen to love song dedications, and they feel good for an hour. But I tell you what, they're still tormented. You know, worship isn't about singing a music to soothe my soul. Worship is to praise God for what he's done in my life because I'm free. Who the sun sets free is? Don't let worship, don't let music just soothe your soul because he was getting his soul soothed. And we know why, because he was anointed. But it didn't change soul. Soul was the Holy Spirit left soul. What an ugly place to end up knowing that you were an anointed king. Now you're just a wretched man. David standing there, and we know the story. David ends up fighting Goliath, and we know that, like I said, Samuel was a seven, eight-foot man, and Goliath was nine-foot tall, and he was tormenting the children of Israel. And David shows up on the scene, little boy, four-foot nothing, ringing wet. He goes, "What's going on?" And his brother says, "Get out of here! What are you doing here?" He goes, "What's this uncircumcised Philistine tormenting the?" Armies of God, the children of God. He goes, he's threatening me. And, and, and Goliath is threatening. He's saying, give me one person. We'll go one-on-one -on -one and we'll fight. Whoever wins will take the spoils. You can have our kingdom. We can have your kingdom. Come on, send one. And David goes, I'll fight him. He goes, what do you know? You're a little kid. He goes, hasn't God given us the victory? He might come in, the, in armor and shields and helmets, but I come in the name of the Lord. He goes, all right, put the armor on. See, Samuel, sorry, Saul is hiding. Why is he hiding? He's a, he's a marksman. He can throw that spear from 100 meters away and hit you in the, in the eyeball. But he's now, he's hiding. Why is he hiding? He's lost the anointing. He's looking after his own butt. <laughs> because what happens if, if Goliath wins, guess what he does? The first thing they do is chop the head off the king. And then they kill all his children so there's no rightful heir to the throne. So now he's sitting there going, uh-oh, I want to fight this battle. And this little boy comes and says, listen, God's been with me. He helped me fight a lion and a bear to protect sheep. You don't think I'm going to stand here and let him torment the children of Israel? I'm the, the Lord is with me. He goes, I can't wear this armor. I don't have your anointing. I can't wear what you wear. I have to do what God's called me to do. He goes, give me some five smooth stones. And he went out into battle, hit him straight in the head and killed him. He didn't stop there. He ran and grabbed his sword. Now, if Goliath is nine foot tall, and they, they tell you how heavy he is, how big was his sword? Yeah, David's a little boy comes and picks up that sword. That was supernatural strength. The Holy Spirit was with David and he chopped his head off with his own sword. And David now comes up and lifts his head and he parades him. He says, this is the guy you were scared of? See, Goliath was using more about witchcraft. He was 
tormenting him by words. He's using the spirit of fear and tormenting the children of Israel. But David says, no matter what comes out of your mouth, look what comes out of my mouth. God has given me the victory. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gives me the victory. What have we been dealing with for the last two years? Witchcraft. Torment. Believing the lie. And David goes, no. And God was with him. He picked up five smooth stones. Five represents grace. Five represents the anointing of the fivefold ministry. Smooth stones. They were always, they weren't always smooth. They were in a river. Guess what? Rivers of living water. When you stay in the rivers of living water in God's presence, the smooth stones rub off on each other. Guess what? They become smooth. Then you can be used by God. While you're rough, you can't be used by God. He picks up, he only needed one, but he had five. Number of grace. Hits him straight in the head. Where? Head. The Bible says, take every thought and every imagination. Where's the imagination start? Head. Knocked him straight out. And he won. Then people started cheering. David! Saul killed a thousand, but David killed 10,000. He only killed one. But to them, what he did was a massive thing. And guess what? Saul started to be so jealous, he wanted to kill David next. Two kings. One produced 30-fold and lost it. David is a 60-fold king. I often say, I wrote here that Saul was the king of the flesh, and David was the king of the soul. Worship God. Because he had some faults, David, don't we know? Yeah? The Bible says that Saul's problem was he didn't inquire of the Lord. He prayed once, nothing happened, let's go. But David got caught sleeping with some man's wife and killed the man to cover up his sin. And he says, you're worthy of death, David. And David went and seeked the Lord and cried out to God till he found repentance, till he found a heart. And that's why God says he's a man after my heart. Not because he was perfect, but because he knew where to go when he messed up. But Saul, let's see what Saul did when he messed up. When Samuel now has died, Samuel the prophet has died now. Now Saul's got no one left to lean on. David's been anointed. He hates David. Everyone loves David. And now he's thinking we're in another battle and we're losing. He's saying, I've asked the Lord, but he hasn't answered me. So what does he do? Have a look at this. It's... Let's read it first in 1 Samuel 28, verse 6. What does he do? Now, Jesus in the desert, when he got taken up by the, the, the devil, we got this idea he's trying to kill Jesus, and he was. Don't misunderstand me. But devil's one thing once he wants worship. He said, I'll raise my throne above God's throne so people can exalt me. The devil was puffed up in his own ego because he was jealous. He wanted people to worship him. That's why he said, you know, if Jesus did any miracle, he asked him, chain these stones into bread, jump off the, the, the temple mount. Uh, he would have got his worship. But Jesus never does anything by demand. He doesn't have to prove himself. He, he wants his worship. Look what happens, right? Because he says the last temptation was, worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms to Jesus. Look what uh, Saul does. Verse 28, verse 6. Now Saul inquired of the Lord. This is another fight he's in. This towards the end of his life. Look what it says. And did not answer him, either by dreams or by um, Urim. Urim means in the temple of God. It's not like it's, it's not like they're casting dices and getting, oh, if the number seven comes up, we'll do this. If number six comes up, we'll do that. But it was a way that the Holy Spirit would move it. They throw um, lots and wherever the, they, they fell, that's what God was saying them to do. It was in the temple of the, of the high priest would do it, okay? That was the way God spoke to them. Have you, have you noticed that when Judas died, they, they cast lots, thinking that's how they should do it? 
to find a new disciple. It's, it's the same thing. So God wasn't talking to Saul anymore through dreams, through the temple worship, or through the prophet because he's dead. Look what he does. So then Saul says to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endora. He went to witchcraft. In other words, instead of being the anointed king of Israel with a prophet that walked with you day and night and had the battles of God, God didn't anoint you to fall. God didn't anoint you to fail. God anointed you to rule over his people. You had everything in place. You are good soil. You could have produced a hundredfold soil. Now you've lost your kingdom. You've lost your anointing. And now you're searching out witches to get advice to what to do. I've seen that in the body of Christ for 19 years. It's so sad. It's so sad, full of the Holy Spirit now, talking to dead, talking to clairvoyants, talking to cup readers, talking to coffee cup, uh, tea cup readers, going to mediums, going to uh, Eastern religion and philosophy. They're going into witchcraft to get some answer from God, thinking that's the right way, when they knew the truth all along. It's a sad place to be. Are you still anointed? Don't ever go outside your influence. Don't ever go outside what the Word of God says. Stay in His presence. If Samuel, no matter how many times he messed up, God was with him and he turned his back. And now look where he's got to the end now. But look what it says in First Chronicles 10.13. I keep reading, but I'll read this in Chronicles. But if you read in Samuel, it says, the battle was finished. He got word his kids were all dead. Guess what happens? He goes, well, there's no point for me to live. He says, kill me. He goes, I'm not going to kill you. You're a king. So he fell on his own sword and killed himself. That was the end of him. But Chronicle says it this way. They wrote about this from the Lord's perspective. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. Now stop. So many people come up to us, and Rabs have seen it, I've seen it. They say, well, I just read the coffee cup, or I just read the, the, the tarot card page, or I just read... You know, I went to an afterlife. Oh, I just, listen to me, listen very carefully. You step out of God's anointing. You step into that realm, you open up the door for demo demonic possession and oppression. And deception and the end is worse than your beginning. That's a warning. Because I've seen it too many times. I've seen beautiful people getting bound and harassed by demons, even to the point of death. And here, this sums it all up right here. This guy was anointed king, and he says, because you did that, you're finished. Look what it says next verse. But he did not inquire of the Lord. He says here, he did inquire of the Lord. But you know what his inquire of the Lord was? Let me put it to you. I prayed once, and God never answered. Someone prayed for me once, nothing happened. I went to Bible studies once, nothing happened. I'll do it my way. But he was saying he didn't inquire of the Lord, because David's inquiry was, I've messed up. I've just killed someone, I've, I've slept with someone, she's pregnant, and now I've messed up as a king, and he lay prostrate, asking God for forgiveness, and he did not move till God gave it to him. He did not move till he heard the voice of the Lord. That's inquiring of the Lord. That's waiting on God. That's not moving before your time. That's even if I have to wait, I'm going to keep on waiting because I know he's faithful. Amen? Be very it's very dangerous, especially when the anointing starts to flow. Oh, I've got the anointing. I felt this. And you run off and the enemy takes you out. But he did not inquire of the Lord. The other one says he did. But he's saying, no, he didn't. He prayed once. He's saying he did not wait and wait for the answer. 
But by that time, the Holy Spirit had left him. He had no ability to wait, says the Lord. Therefore, he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. See, one account is from, from a Samuel's account, from, from Saul's account. The other account is from God's. His end was worse than the beginning. Now, David's king, yeah? David's messed up. But David, to his old age, heard the heart of God. David is a 60-fold. And let's go to the 100-fold king. Who are we going to? Who's with me? Let's go. Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Hallelujah. I want to show you something. Jesus' surname was not Christ. Contrary to some people. Some people honestly think Jesus Christ, is, that's his surname. But it says here about Jesus. Can we go? Yeah. So they've lost him. Mary has lost the son of God. And she's panicking now. How do you lose the son of God? Imagine like, Heaven opened up, Mary, where's Jesus? Like, like, he was gone for three days. <laughs> Why do you seek me? He was in the, in the temple. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Next verse. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. See, this is young Jesus, 12-year-old, I think, or 13-year-old Jesus. He grew in wisdom and stature before man and God. In other words, he was in a training ground. Even as the Son of God, there was a process. Even though he's legitimate King of Kings, he's going to be the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He never stepped out of his realm until the appointed time. He grew up in wisdom and stature before man and God. Next verse. On that next verse, look at this. Jesus himself had to be anointed. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I want you to see this. I want you to see that Jesus didn't walk around with a halo tiptoeing through the tulips doing what he wants. He went through a process just like everyone else. He had to learn. He had to get wisdom. He had to be obedient. And he was the, 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 the hundredfold ministry of God on this earth. Because he says here that and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few more days. What was, is that 48, is it? 38. Sorry, more. I want to show you something. We talked about the anointing king, yeah? So Saul was anointed, lost it. David was anointed, messed it up, but stayed in God's favor. 60-fold. He says, and he, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Everyone say Jesus of Nazareth. Was he anointed with the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good, healing those, all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus needed the anointing himself. We can go to here, go to um, 1 John 2, 2, 7. I want to show you this picture and then we're going to close up and we're going to pray. Because I want really tonight to understand that the anointing is within you. But don't think the anointing is going to protect you from your disobedience. Or stepping out of God's way. In, uh, coming out of God's way into someone else's way. Bible says, I never, Paul says, I never, I never harvest in another man's field. You can read it this way. I don't go into certain areas that I'm not anointed to go to. He himself is the preparation of our sin and not for ours only, 
but also for the whole world. Is that 27, 227? Sorry, I'm running. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as has he taught you, you will be able in him. The anointing is within you to teach you. He hasn't left you as an orphan. These people take this out of context. Say, I don't need anyone to teach me. Now, what he was saying here is when you have the teacher on the inside of you, when we share something with you, it should register in your spirit because it's agreeing with the word of God. If it doesn't register with your spirit, you can end up like Saul. Very dangerous. See, Jesus was anointed. The most popular one. Romans 6.10. I want to show you something here. Eleven. Twelve. Don't worry about it. Isaiah ten twenty seven, please. It's wrong on my thing, sorry. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and your yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Let's put this in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 11, 30. I want to show you something. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing of God will break the shackle. What's a yoke? Does anyone know what a yoke is? So, yeah, so they get cattle to, to bulls, to heifers, whatever. They put a yoke, two pieces of timber around their head, connected to each other, and now they can control where they walk. Criminals get put in a yoke when they're bound for whipping or for being a punishment. But how many people are yoked with bondages in their life? That they know they should be doing this, but they're so yoked with their sin, so yoked with their stronghold, they can't move their head. And you're trying to fix it with positive thinking. You're trying to fix it with your will, but you need the anointing of God. Only the anointing of God will break the yoke. Because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it's amazing when Jesus went to the cross. He said in uh, Isaiah, and he says it in Luke, he goes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the good news. To heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to set the, uh, restore the eyes of the blind, and to declare the favorable year of the Lord. The favorable year of the Lord, there's all debts are off. Everything you owe has been paid at the cross. That if you put your faith and trust in God, your, your legal right has been removed that you owe anything. It's the, if you repent, your legal right, the, the, the requirements of the law written against you have been abolished. Now you need to receive the anointing to break the yoke. So you can be free in the mind in, 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 in a letter of the law, but you can not ever walk in your freedom because you haven't, haven't received the freedom that God's got inside you. You can be like soul anointed by God and lose it all and end up killing yourself. 
Or you could be like David who thought that God would cover him in his sin, but that he required of the Lord and he, what he did, he got restoration to his soul. But we're going to talk about King Jesus now. Can we stand up right now? King Jesus, can we stand? King Jesus is the hundredfold. He is the all manner of life. Jesus breaks the yoke. I, want to, I wanted to show you this picture so you can understand that you could be called and, and anointed and appointed. But if you don't go through the process, you'll end up like one of these kings. I want to be like King Jesus, amen? He lives inside of us, amen? Say so the 30, 60, 100 fold. You know, Jesus took on a, a man, a little boy in a manger. Then he took on sin. Then he took on death. And conquered all of them. You know, when Jesus <laughs> when um, Jesus was in the manger, look what it says here. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger or a feeding trough for animals. Who knows what swaddling cloths are? The swaddling cloths, we think it's a nice wrap that we buy from Baby Co. Or, you know, we, we, or one onesie. We're nice and comfortable. The swaddling clothes or cloths were the rags they used to wipe the udders of the cows and the goats when they milked them. They wrapped them in that. Isn't he the milk of the word? Where was he put? In a feeding trough? Isn't he the bread of life? Isn't he meat of God's word? He was put in a feeding trough. Where was he born? In Bethlehem. What's that mean? The house of bread. He's the bread of life. Where was he born? In Bethlehem, in Judea. He's the king. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a king. Where was David anointed? Bethlehem. He would come out of the root of Jesse. Jesus. 30-fold milk. 60-fold meat. 100-fold spirit. Saul was a man of the flesh because the people wanted him. David was a man of the soul because the people loved him. But Jesus is a man of the spirit that we need him. The anointing breaks the yoke. But the anointing that breaks the yoke in your life will only come by your obedience to the anointing. See, I often say we want God to anoint our word, but if God hasn't given us the word, the word won't be anointed. But if he gives us the word, it's already anointed. See, the anointing is that God covers. See, the word Christ means Messiah, which means the anointed one. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. He was anointed not just to be a king, but to be a savior. He was the Messiah. He is the amazing grace that was poured out for us. And he said that, you know what? What I have, you will have also. Just like a bull would have to die. And the anointing would be poured upon them and they'll be covered in the anointing. So did Jesus. But see, Saul was anointed by real oil. David was anointed by real oil, natural oil. But Jesus was anointed by the spiritual oil. Because when we are anointed by the natural, we stay in the natural. But God wants to anoint us in the spirit. See, if you're trying to obtain things in the natural, you're going to be subject to the natural. But when you're obtaining in the spirit, you're not subject to anything in the spirit. And that comes with the closeness you have with the Lord. See, God has anointed you all and appointed you all. But he's the one that directs our way. 
You see, we can go from being in the king's castle to the devil's den. All the devil wants is worship. He got soul's worship. After all that, guess where he went? He went to a witch. And the devil got his worship. And his end was worse than his beginning. But Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. Anointed in the baptism of sin. That we could become the righteousness of God. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Amen? So the anointing of God. People wanted to hear the anointing about what they're going to do about their gifting. That's coming. I needed you to understand the anointing can either make you or destroy you. I'm not here to make you scared of the anointing. Because some people are scared of the anointing. We're not meant to be scared, but we need to make reverence. We need to have reverence for the anointing. That's in within you right now. And as you grow in 30, 60, 100 fold, the last thing of that scripture about the 30, 60, 100 fold, everything falls on good soil. And some will produce 100, some will produce 60, some will produce 30. He goes, but let who hears, let him hear. What are you hearing? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to what God is asking you to do? You know, I've been in so many little revival meetings where the Holy Spirit moves. I love it. It's amazing when God starts to move and God's going to start flowing like that. But I've also seen the other side where they're flowing in the Spirit today and, and they're living like a devil tomorrow. I've seen it. I've seen men and women of God that walked in signs and wonders that could write a book on signs and wonders who are not even in church today and don't even confess Jesus Lord anymore. But I've met people who have been around the anointing who may not have, have had miracles upon miracles. They've seen the move of God, but they're the ones that will sit with you and talk to you and restore your marriage. And they're the ones that will help you raise your kids. And they're the ones that are anointed by God to walk alongside you. See, the gift is awesome, but that becomes a show. Give me someone who's anointed by God who can sit and listen and walk you through a, a dark path. They're the ones I love. I used to be hungry with the men of God. I met so many men and women of God from different, from all around the world. I was just happy in my old church just to drive them to the airport, just leave work, go pick them up, drive them to the airport and go home, go back to work, just to be around these men of God. And you know what I found out of most of them, most of them, 90% of them, the ones that are really anointed, the ones I thought they were really anointed, you know what they were? They were so humble. They were so humble. They were so humble. And the ones that were bragging, the ones that fell. I've seen it. I've heard devastating stories about people that are running revival meetings and it's the flow of the Spirit and the power of God and it's awesome. I love it. We need it. We need it. But there was no place for God to come back. When David got anointed as king and after Saul had died and, and David was king, guess what he did? He goes, where's the ark? The ark's not here. He knew that I'm the king, I'm the king now, but without God's presence, we're nothing. He went and got the ark of the covenant and brought it back. He knew that I'm a worshiper. I want to be around that ark. You know what? The ark represents the presence of God. He said, I'm not going anywhere without the presence of God. We can't do nothing without the presence of God, people. But I don't want you to keep standing afar from God. I want you to start pressing into God. You don't need this atmosphere to press into God. You don't need a man of God to take you in this presence. You need to search it out because God's hanging. It's like God's waiting. You know, the prodigal son, he was, his father was waiting for him to come into his presence. They'd be scared of his presence. They let the flesh rob you of his presence. 
Don't ever put an obstacle and say, well, you know what? God does that for him, but he won't do it for me. Don't lie to yourself and, and, and allow the devil to rob you. Because God wants to. God's desire is more to hang out with you than you want to hang out with him. But the anointing of God on your life is a beautiful thing. It starts within. See, the person of the Holy Spirit anoints you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Stop letting your past rob you. Stop letting you for your failures rob you. Stop allowing the yoke of your failures to rob you from where you're supposed to look. Don't stop being controlled by the devil and saying this is wrong, that's wrong. Come running to Jesus and it all comes broken off. He's the lover of your soul. I want to finish off with when Jesus rose from the dead and Mary came to the tomb. And I love Mary's heart. She says, where have you put my Lord? She was in anguish. She was in pain. She said, where have you put his body? Just please, just give him to me. She was willing to carry Jesus on her own, a dead body. She was willing to do anything. And he was dead. And yet we have the living Christ willing, willing to do the same thing. Close your eyes. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, that we don't rely on man's way, for your ways aren't man's ways. You love us. You care for us. We thank you, Father. I know this word is not exciting to some, but it's necessary. It's necessary because we need to understand that we have an obligation to what we carry on the inside of us. If you carry the anointing, there's an obligation to carry that with honor and dignity. There's an obligation to carry it in obedience, in acts of worship. You know, there's five types of people. People that demand the signs or some people that pervert the signs or the anointing, I should say. They demand an anointing. They pervert the anointing or they reject the anointing. And there's people that receive the anointing and operate in the anointing. And I can talk through those five different people in the Bible that came and Ananias Sapphira lied, bang, died. Simon the sorcerer tried to buy it. You had people perverting it. Simon Bar Jonah trying to, to Simon Bar Jesus tried to pervert it. Then you have people that received the anointing. The apostles, Mary. You have a look at people that operated, Philip, Stephen. You have to understand that the anointing we carry. See, if Mary didn't honor what was inside of her, yeah, if Mary didn't, didn't protect what was inside of her, she may have not understood everything that was about to happen with her and with Jesus when he was born. But she understood enough to know that I need to protect what, what seed God put us on the inside of us. And that's what we have. We have been birthed with a seed of the anointing of God on the inside of us. We need to be a people that would cover it and nurture it and make sure that we don't pervert it. Because it can end up destroying us. But see, the flesh has nothing to do with the anointing. 
The Bible says in Isaiah 55, he says, My thoughts aren't not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts then higher than your thoughts. Do it God's way, because His ways are higher. His ways are better. Our minds limit God. That's why the Bible says our minds are enmity. We war against God. But when God instructs you to do something, we better do it. The anointing of God should be protected because it's the one that sets us free. The anointing inside us sets us free. You know why the anointing sets us free? Because the anointing is the encompasses of what Jesus did at the cross. We have been baptized and anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we have now power and authority when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not just a one-off event where you get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a lifetime of obedience. The Holy Spirit will grow inside you and be continually filling you. So I think we're coming into a time, guys, where we need to be more mature in our walk with the Lord. And the anointing fights off the enemy. The anointing inside you can beat off the enemy. Because all the anointing does is manifest what the victory of Calvary's cross was. Bible says, how do we overcome Satan, everyone? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We don't love our life unto death. When people get busted down and they're busted and they've moved away out of God's anointing, guess what they're doing? They stop speaking the truth of God's word and they end up going into witchcraft. The Bible says, rebellion is as of witchcraft. But God wants to raise us up. He wants to know that I trust you. I trust you with my spirit. Look at this, look at this Jesus. He says, I trust you. I took him out of a temple that people would drop dead in front of to put him inside you. How much more do we need from the, you know, he died for us, took our place, and then he gave us his anointing and gave us his nature. His nature lives on the inside of us. What a wonderful Savior we have, amen? What a wonderful Lord we have. So Father, we thank you tonight. Your word is true, Father. For the anointing breaks the yoke. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that people that are bound in any way, shape or form, Father, that you would manifest your anointing. You would break that yoke. Father, I break the mindsets that have come against the knowledge of God, Father. Every imagination that exalts itself. Lord, I come against every trauma that comes in the soul, Father, that the hearts are being hurt. Lord, I come against unforgiveness, offense, Father, in Jesus' name. I come against vows made against you, Father. Uh, I come against the spirit of sorcery and witchcraft. Uh, Lord, I, I come against depression and oppression right now in Jesus' name. I come against the word that was spoken over their life as children, Lord, if they have been cursed by someone in authority, Father. Lord, I come against uh, relationships that have been that are soul ties, that you're bound by soul ties and think you can't get out. But God's saying, I've chopped that off, that you are plugged into me and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You shouldn't be bound by your past because God says, I don't remember your sins no more because on the cross, He has taken away your shame and your guilt and He's removed it and placed it on a tree. Curses anyone that hangs on a tree. Oh, Lord, I ask you to baptize my brothers and sisters in your love right now. Oh, my. 
Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I pray for those who are scared to take that next step. Surrender their life to you. Lord, that would step one more step closer to your love. Let us be like that woman with the issue of blood. Let us be like blind Bartimaeus. Let's be like the Roman centurion. Hallelujah. There's a flow of the river of the anointing coming. It's for people that want to, uh, the Bible says, who hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. You are not disqualified by what you have done, but you need to come on, come, you need to come back to the, to, the, the, to his presence. You need to come back to him in repentance. You need to come back to him and say to him, I need you more. There's a song called, I need you, Lord, more than words can say. I need you, Lord, more than yesterday. I need you, Lord. You have to be a people that just need Jesus. They need a position. They need a title. They need an award. They need a promotion. They just need Jesus. They just need Jesus. It's amazing what one man, when he's out of the will of God, how it affects many. One man, if David was not in the will of God, Goliath would have taken over Israel. If Joseph wasn't in the place he, he was in Potiphar's house, then putting him in jail to end up in the second in charge of, 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 of Egypt, he wouldn't have saved his family. You know, we can go on and on about people that in positions at the right place. It might not seem right at the time, but God brings those things that are evil and those things the devil meant for evil, God turns for good. You might have had a busted up, relationship you might have had a business go broke i don't i don't know what you're going through here but i do know one thing that jesus is waiting for you so i thank you father baptize my brothers and sisters with your love right now with your mercy with your grace thank you father speak to your children as not as babes but as mature thank you father so we are good soul, we produce a hundredfold. You have given us the means to obtain and to fulfill the call of God on our life. Because it's not by power, and it's nor by might, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's two or three people here tonight that the Lord keeps showing me that you, everything I've said, you thought this is garbage. You literally said in your mind, this is garbage. And it's not for me, but I'm here to tell you that don't let the devil lie to you. This is for you. The anointing is for you. The anointing breaks the yoke. This is for you. You don't have to walk around in bondage anymore. This is for you. The Bible says, if you have an E, he. Are you hearing what the Spirit of the Lord saying? Hallelujah. 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 We're very sensitive to what God wants because we've seen moves of God where the Holy Spirit moves and within three months, not even three months, the devil's in there and they're doing weird and wonderful things and they're calling it the Holy Spirit and it's not the Holy Spirit. The 
if you have a broken heart and you're distressed like Saul was and you're leaning on something else but Jesus to soothe your soul, I want to pray for you. If out of everything tonight, that one spoke to me the loudest to how we can be soothing our soul and still be in bondage. We could be worshipping God and not be set free. And the Bible says, who the Lord sets free is free indeed. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Father, that you're about to pour out your spirit in a mighty way. And you're preparing the body. You're preparing your children for the harvest to come. But broken people cannot fix broken people. But God's ready to move in by His Spirit and increase the anointing on our lives. For see, the anointing isn't to promote your gift. The anointing is to break the yoke. David stood in front of Saul and says, I love him. Within a couple of weeks, he wanted to kill him. Don't worry about what people say about you because God in you is greater than he that's in the world. Don't worry about what you've Failures are what you've struggled with. God's ready to break you through. He's your Father and He loves you. I thank you, Father. Lord, I release my brothers and sisters. I want your presence to be with them. Teach them how to flow in your presence. Thank you, Father, for the anointing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some girl here that God's rewinding your past. It's like God taking you back to heal those areas of your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 